Well, good morning, Pinion Hills. Who is excited to be here this morning? Good. Me too. My name is Matt, and I am thankful that you've chosen to worship with us here this morning. We are starting a brand new series called Rocked, which is all about people's lives who have been radically transformed or altered or changed because of Jesus Christ. A couple years ago, one of my buddies named Paul comes up to me, and he says, Matt, have you ever heard of the, the Bass Pro Shop Challenge before? I'm, I'm just curious. And has anybody ever heard of the Bass Pro Shop Challenge before? Nobody's heard of it. Oh, two people. Okay. Uh, so, so I was familiar with like the Ice Bucket Challenge, and, and I wrote a book called the 31-day challenge, but I'd never heard of the Bass Pro Shop challenge before. So for you to understand the challenge, you need to first understand Bass Pro Shop. Now, Bass Pro Shop is like the mecca for people that are wanting outdoors goods or like fishing gear or hunting gear. They have all sorts of stuff that you, you can imagine in these massive warehouses like the size of a Costco or a Sam's Club, like huge. We don't even have one near us in New Mexico. Closest one is Colorado Springs or down in Phoenix. You could go to a Bass Pro Shop. But in the middle of these Bass Pro Shops is a massive fish tank. And when I say a fish tank, I'm not talking like the fish tank that you might have like with a goldfish in your house or perhaps even what you would see in a restaurant or what you'd see in a doctor's office. The fish tank that you see in the Bass Pro Shops is like a, an indoor swimming pool. It's this massive like aquarium made out of glass on the side so you can see inside freshwater fish and animals that you can come in and visit that while you're, while you're looking at hunting animals and fish and whatnot in the Bass Pro Shop. Anyway, so the challenge, the Bass Pro Shop challenge is to somehow in some way jump into this aquarium because there's no lid on the top of it. There's no ceiling. You got to figure out a way to jump in and then get outside of the aquarium and get out of the store before the staff tackles you or you get arrested. That's the challenge. So my buddy comes up to me a couple years ago. He's like, Matt, have you ever heard of the Bass Pro Shop Challenge? I've no, 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 I've never heard of it. He's like, I did it. I was like, shut up. Tell me all about it. He's like, well, I went to the Bass Pro Shop and a bunch of my buddies encouraged me and challenged me and basically peer pressured me into jumping into this fish tank. And he said, so right before I did, I handed my wife my phone and she recorded the whole thing. So rather than me tell you about this Bass Pro Shop Challenge, I figured I'd just show you the video that his wife filmed that day. Check out this clip. Simply by airing that video, in no way am I condoning such activities for you to go to the Bass Pro Shop and jump into the fish tank. After the last service, a, a young a teenage boy came up to me. He's like, I challenge you to the Bass Pro Shop challenge. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I would be fired for that. If you go and do that, I'm not condoning or endorsing that. If you do, if you do that challenge, record it so I can see the video. But I'm not, I'm not endorsing or condoning such activities. In fact, Bass Pro Shop Corporate came out with a statement and they said, they said, we cannot encourage, we strongly discourage you from jumping into our fish tanks perhaps because you might injure our fish or you might yourself get injured. In fact, just a couple months ago, somebody did this challenge and they hit their head jumping in and they had to be pulled out and rescued out of the fish tank. And once they were deemed okay by the paramedics, then they were arrested and taken to jail for the Bass Pro Shop challenge. So I'm not gonna encourage you to jump into a fish tank at Bass Pro Shop. I'm not going to do that. However, at the end of our time today, at the end of this message, I am going to encourage you, jump in with both feet. 
I'm not going to say jump into the fish tank at Bass Pro Shop, but I am going to encourage you, jump in with both feet. There's a challenge that I have for you at the end of our time together this morning. Now, before we get to that, let me give you a little bit of a lead up. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to dive in this morning. We're going to dive in Luke chapter 5. (laughs) Thank you for those who are giggling and following, tracking along. Uh, Now, what we're going to be looking at is the story and the life of Peter. Now, we've heard about Peter in the past. We we are aware, perhaps you're aware, that he's one of the first disciples that Jesus ever called. Now, now Peter, before he was called, he was a fisherman. He was was a fisherman by trade. That's his career. That's his job. Perhaps he could have worked at Bass Pro Shop if it existed 2,000 years ago. But he would fish. And and there was was one particular time that Peter was out fishing. And he was out on the lake with him and a couple other guys. And they were fishing. They'd fished all night, fished all morning. They had caught nothing whatsoever. So they brought their boats back. They brought their empty nets back. and, And they're cleaning the nets that had no fish. So they're cleaning all the nets. At which point, Jesus walks up to Peter. And he basically says, throw the net back in the boat. And let's go sail for a little while. And so I'm sure he rolls his eyes a little bit, but whatever, okay, who's this guy? I don't know Jesus from anybody else. So throws the net back in the boat, and they set sail. This is before Jesus has really gone public. This is before Peter knows much about Jesus at all. So they're out there on the lake. This is the first interaction between Jesus and Peter. They have a conversation, and after a little while, Jesus tells Peter, he says, you know what, why don't you throw your nets out in that deeper water and see if you catch any fish? Now, Peter had been fishing all night. He'd been fishing all morning, and and he had caught nothing. So I'm sure he's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, I know better. I'm the fisherman. You're a, a carpenter, I've heard. I know better than you. So just leave me alone. Here's what happens. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. This is where we see this interaction. Verse 4 uh, through 6. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Now, in this moment, Jesus turns to Peter and says, ha ha, told you so. Just kidding. Jesus doesn't say that. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't say that and rub it in your face when you, just, when you finally follow him and you listen to his word? He doesn't ever come back and say, ha ha, told you so. I was right all along. But Peter was probably a little bit embarrassed. Because Jesus had just told Peter, throw your nets in. And he was like, I've been fishing all night. I didn't catch anything, but okay, because you say so. There's so many fish, the nets begin to break. So Peter whistles. He whistles for another boat over here. Guys, come over here. Help me with all these fish. And so they start dumping fish from one boat into the other boat. And there's so many fish, both boats begin to sink. Verse 7, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that both boats began to sink. So Peter's getting all the fish. He's dumping them into both boats. Once he's tended to the fish, made sure he's got all the fish. At that point, he turns back to Jesus to address Jesus. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, I'll presume that Peter's embarrassed. He just questioned the Messiah. He just questioned Jesus. Jesus, what do you know about fishing? You don't know about anything about fishing. But then Jesus obviously proved to Peter he knows what he's talking about. So at this point, Peter bows down and says, I am not worthy. I'm a sinful person. Perhaps Peter's even a little bit afraid because of what Jesus says next. Maybe he's afraid because he thinks maybe Jesus is going to hurt me or harm me or even kill me because I didn't, I didn't listen to him. I hesitated in following him. But he's probably a little bit of fearful as far as what comes next. But then Jesus says this in verse 10. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for what? People. 
From now on, you will fish for people. All along in his career, he's been fishing for fish. This is what he's done for his whole job, for his whole career. But now Jesus is saying, I don't want you to fish for fish. I want you to fish for people. So they bring their boats up onto the shore. Verse 11, they pulled their boats up onto the shore, left everything, and they followed Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I read this part of the story, the first call that Peter has to follow after Jesus, I'm kind of impressed with Peter. And the reason I'm kind of impressed with Peter is because it seems like he's willing to leave everything, his entire career, having known Jesus for what? 20 minutes? He's known Jesus for 25, maybe 30 minutes? He hasn't known Jesus that long, but he's willing to leave everything behind for this man that he had only known for, for a couple minutes. Now, to be honest with you, I, I wish that was my story. But it's not. Because I was the skeptic. I, I, I had a hard time having a trust in God. So I spent weeks, months, years researching who is God? What is God? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus? What's the Holy Spirit? What, what, are, what is the Bible? What are all these scriptures? I, I kind of wish, and sometimes I, I envy a little bit the faith that Peter demonstrated because he, he left everything after having known Jesus for only half an hour. For me, it took a long, long time. And perhaps you sitting here this morning, perhaps you've been kicking the tires. You've been trying to explore. You've been trying to figure out what's this whole God thing about? What's this whole faith thing about? And I, I want to let you know that if you're still on the fence and you don't have a faith yet in God, that's okay. You're still welcome here. You still belong here. You can investigate for as long as you need to and, and investigate the claims of Jesus and what we see in Scripture for as long as you want. But for me, I realized my struggle wasn't with God. My struggle wasn't with Jesus. It's not with the Bible. What my struggle was is with faith in general. My degree at the University of New Mexico is broadcast journalism. And so working for the news, working for newspapers, I wanted the facts. I had to report on the facts. That's, that's kind of my background. I'm a black and white kind of guy. I want to know why I believe what I believe. I want to know why I'm reporting what I'm reporting. And so for me, I'm a black and white person. But, but sometimes it's difficult when it's faith, when, when I'm dealing with faith, because faith is something that you believe in that you can't prove. Look at what Hebrews chapter 11 says about faith. It defines faith. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. In other words, faith is believing in something you can't prove. It's confidence in what we hope for. You can't prove it, but you're hoping for it. And it's assurance in what we can't see. How can you have assurance in it if you can't see it? Faith is choosing to believe in something that you cannot prove. This is what I grappled with for years. This is the struggle that I had in following, whole, following wholeheartedly after God is that I struggled with faith. I didn't struggle with God. I struggled with the idea of faith. Martin Luther King Jr. says faith is this. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. For me, it was hard to see the staircase. It was hard to have faith because I had questions about God. I had questions that I couldn't answer. In fact, still today, as I stand here as the pastor of this church, there's still questions that I have for God that I don't think you or I will know this side of eternity. 
There's all sorts of questions that I have that I don't understand about the character of God. Things that I don't understand about God in general. In fact, if there's any pastor that gets up in, in, in front of you and preaches and says, I know everything there is to know about God, that person is lying. There's so much about God and his character that we just simply don't know that hasn't been revealed yet. He's only revealed this much through scripture, through revelation, through nature around us. We don't know everything there is to know about God. But I still want to take the first step even though I, I can't see the whole staircase. So this is why I was, I was impressed with Peter. I'm impressed with Peter because he's willing to leave everything behind having known Jesus for 30 minutes. I wish I could say that. I wish that was my story. I wish that was perhaps your story, but maybe it's not. But as we dig in a little bit more and we look at Peter's story, we realize that Peter also struggled with faith. Because even after he left his business, he left, he, he left the boats and the, the fish and the nets and everything else. After he left that, he begins following Jesus. And for three years, Peter begins following Jesus. And as he's following Jesus, there's one scenario that, that Peter and a couple of the disciples are out on, on a lake. And there's a, there's a, they're, they're fearful, they're worried. Jesus isn't in the boat with them. But Jesus starts walking on the lake out towards them. And they see the silhouette of, of somebody. They don't recognize it's Jesus, but these guys in the boat, they're like, oh my goodness, is it a ghost? Who is coming to, towards me? What is coming towards me? So Peter, in his, in his brilliance, he says, Jesus, is that you? If so, tell me to come out on the water with you. So Jesus says, okay, step out on the water. Step out of the boat. Walk on water with me. And so Peter steps out and begins walking on water. But then he begins to sink. Now, why did he sink? He began sinking because for whatever reason, he had a lapse of faith. Maybe he doubted that it really was Jesus. Maybe he doubted the power of Jesus. I don't know exactly what caused him to sink, but I believe it was a, a lapse of faith. He lost faith in that moment. And that's not the only time that Peter lost faith. There's another time, right before Jesus was crucified. Jesus has this last supper, this Seder meal with his disciples. Peter says, I got you. I, I got your back, Jesus. I will die for you. I will go to, to the races with you. I will do everything. I will, I will spend my life serving you. I will never turn my back on you, Jesus. And then just a few hours later, Jesus gets arrested in the garden. And as he's being taken over to, to have a trial, some people recognize Peter. And they're like, hey, Peter, aren't you one of the followers? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he's like, I don't know him. I don't know the man. He denies knowing Jesus, not once, not twice. Three times Peter denies even knowing Jesus. And one of those times is to a teenage girl. What, what is he fearful for, for a teenage girl, it, knowing that he's a follower of Jesus? I think the reason he was fearful is because he had a lack of faith. If he really believed that Jesus was who he said he was, if he really believed that he was the Son of God, then why would he ever deny knowing Jesus? So here, there's, there's this Peter guy. He left everything when Jesus said, drop your nets and follow me. He left everything behind, but he's still struggling with faith in general. And I can understand that because Jesus never said it was going to be easy following him. Here's what Jesus said in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have trouble. Perhaps you could have trouble. Some days you, you might face trouble. He says, you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. But it doesn't make up for the fact that you will. You will have trouble. Following Jesus is going to be difficult at times. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24. He says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Taking up your cross sounds difficult. It sounds heavy. It sounds hard. Following Jesus isn't always a cakewalk. It's not always a walk in the park. Following Jesus can be difficult at times. Sometimes we may not feel like it. We may not want to follow after Jesus. But the question isn't whether we should. We should follow after Jesus. But sometimes it's just difficult. Sometimes we have a lapse in judgment. Sometimes we lack faith. 
Jesus is in the garden. He gets arrested. Peter denies him once, twice, then three times. After this, Jesus gets beat and he gets whipped. He gets put on the cross. He's murdered in broad daylight. His body gets put into the tomb. And once Jesus is dead in the tomb, at this point, Peter has a dilemma. Do I keep doing what Jesus told me to do? Because three years ago, Jesus told me to, to leave my fishing business behind. He said, no longer will you fish for fish. From now on, fish for men. And Peter has this dilemma. Do I keep fishing for men, even though the guy that told me that is dead in the tomb? Do I keep doing that? Or do I go back to my day job? Do I go back fishing for fish? He weighed the pros and the cons. Do I follow the guy who's dead? Or do I go back to what I was doing? And after thinking about it and considering it, he decided he would go back to fishing for fish. So he goes back to his old job. Goes out on the lake. He's with a couple of the other disciples. They're all fishing. Meanwhile, we know the story from last week from Easter. Jesus conquers death. He comes out of the tomb. He, he's the resurrected Christ. And meanwhile, Peter is out on the lake. He's fishing. He went back to his job. Jesus, a couple days after this, he shows up. He shows up on the shore while they're fishing one morning. Peter and the disciples, they've been fishing all night. They've been fishing all morning. Once again, there's no fish. They have caught nothing. And Jesus is on the shore and he looks at them and he's about 100 yards away. And they could probably see him. They can see, he could see them back, but they can't see who they are. Jesus knows who they are, but they don't know it's Jesus because they're 100 yards away. So Jesus calls out to these guys 100 yards away. He says, hey, did you catch anything? You got any fish? And they don't know who he is. And so Peter just replies back, no, I haven't caught anything. Nets to the other side, which should have been a clue. And when Jesus, or when Peter threw out the nuts, he caught all these fish. It should have, should have been a clue. Nets out from one side of the boat, threw them out over on the other side of the boat. And when that happened, the nets began to fill up once again with fish. At which point, one of the other disciples in the boat looks to shore and says, "Peter, that's Jesus on shore." And in that second, in that moment, Peter realized that is, that's Jesus. He's resurrected. He's come back from the dead. He was and is. He is who he said he was. Here's what, here's what Peter does. He wraps jumps into the lake and starts swimming back to shore. Now compare this scenario. When Jesus had told Peter, hey, throw your nets out and catches all these fish, Peter signaled for another boat to come over. Have the other boat come over. I want to save all these fish. I want to keep all these fish. The priority for Peter was the fish. At which point, then he turned to Jesus. Peter nets to the other side. He catches all these fish. He left his nets behind. He left the fish behind. He starts swimming back to the shore, and it's a little bit of a... John 21, verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Not far from the shore, it says. hundred yards? You ever tried swimming in open boat? But for somebody swimming back, wearing clothes, that's a long ways. When I lived in everybody, every, all the students in my student ministry, a buoy that was 100 yards out. And I'd say, look at that buoy out there. First person to touch the buoy and swim all the way back wins a prize. So I would tell that to like the hundreds of students that were there. But then 
challenge, and I would go with them. We'd start swimming all the way out to the buoy. And I don't know if you've ever swam in So we'd be getting out there, and they'd be like ahead of me and swimming ahead, but then I would start going, Because you're looking down, and you can't see anything under, like it's so deep out there, you can't see anything out there. And right when they were going up to touch the buoy, I would swim real deep, and I would come up and grab their ankles and rah! And they'd, rah! they'd totally freak out. And then I would, as fast as we possibly could. Back to the shore. They're bringing the boat, the, the nets, the fish, and everything else. At breakfast together on the beach. But then, important conversations that we see in all of Scripture. 21:15. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? these. Now, that are like, what was Jesus referring to? What is these? This was asking Peter, do you love me more than these guys? Guys. But there's other pastors that are like, no. Because three years earlier, he had, he had wanted to keep all the fish before he even looked and addressed Jesus. So, so Peter obviously has a love. No, it's not the fish. It's the boat. It's the nets. It's the whole industry of fishing in general. Exactly what Jesus was asking. We, we understand what Jesus was asking. But I do think that there's a heart behind the question. Is basically asking Peter, is there anything, whether it's the disciples or the fish or the boats and the question I would ask you this morning, is there anything that you love more than Jesus? Perhaps your job, perhaps a toy, person, stuff, house, bank account, finances. Is there anything that you love more than Jesus? Jesus looks at Peter and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Here's what Peter says. He says, yes, Lord, in verse 15. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus responds and said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, now I could spend an entire message on just the vocabulary that's used between Jesus and Peter here, the, the term of love. But that's not my purpose. That's not my point this morning. There's two observations. Two things that I want you to walk away with this morning. Number one is this. When Jesus is asking the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He asks not once, not twice, but three times. In the wake of when Peter had denied knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. Perhaps there's a correlation. Perhaps Jesus wanted to make the point, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because you just denied me three times. Perhaps that has something to do with it. But there's another observation that I think is worth mentioning. 
which is when Jesus asks the question, he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, I love you, Lord. You know that I love you. I love you, Lord. Each time Jesus responds to him and says, then feed my sheep. Is he talking about, what, is Jesus talking about like literal sheep that he's like shepherd over animals? No. If you remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. John 10, 14, Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is referencing, he's saying, take care of others, Peter. If you love me, love others. Serve others. Feed my sheep. Now, if I was Jesus, I don't think I would have said this. It's a good thing I'm not Jesus because I would jack up this world in a heartbeat. But if I was Jesus, I probably would have said to Peter, hey, Peter, do you love me? He would have been like, yeah, I love you. I probably would have said, then don't ever deny me again. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you know that I love you. Then why did you sink that one time in, in the lake? Why are you consistently having a lapse of judgment, lacks of, a lapse of faith? Why do you consistently keep going back to your old ways? Why are you fishing again? Why are you back in that industry? If I was Jesus, I would have asked him other questions. But Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And he says, well, then feed my sheep. What Jesus is doing is he's reinforcing what he was already stating before. Remember the question somebody asked him, he said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments out there, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing that I do? Here's how Jesus responded to that question in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that Jesus taught, everything that he was all about, was all about these two commandments. Love God and love others. And this is exactly what Jesus is telling Peter on the beach that morning. He's saying, Peter, do you, do you love me? I'm the son of God. Do you love God? Peter says, you know that I love you, Lord. He says, then feed my sheep. In other words, love others too. Everything that Jesus is all about boils down to these two things. Love God and love others. If you're taking notes, you can write this in your program this morning. Following Jesus anywhere means serving others everywhere. If you're willing to follow Jesus anywhere, means you're also willing to serve people everywhere. This was the bottom line that Jesus wanted to really drill into Peter's mind before Jesus ascended back up to heaven. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because if so, you're going to love other people. You're going to be selfless with other people. You're going to serve other people. Your life is not just about you, Peter. It's not just about the fish that you've been fishing for. I, I've told you before, fish for people, fish for men. If you love me as you're saying that you do, then take care of other people, love people, serve people. I'll tell you this, this church would not exist. Pitney Hills Community Church would cease to exist if there wasn't many people, hundreds of people within our community that have said, I'm willing to jump in with both feet. Jesus, you want me to swim 100 yards to you? I'll do it. You want me to serve in the children's ministry? I'll do it. You want me to serve in the student ministry? I'll do it. Wherever you want me to serve, however you want me to serve, I'm willing to do that. Why? Because I love you. And if, if I'm called to love other people, then I will do that. I will serve other people. Consistently, week after week after week, we have so many volunteers that make this whole community that we call Pinion Hills happen. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful because I can't do this all on my own. I rely on people who are saying, I'm willing to jump in with both feet. I'm willing to take that challenge. I'm willing to serve other people. I'm willing to love other people. I'm willing to feed the sheep of Jesus. We could highlight many, many people that do this, that epitomize this, that, that live this out by serving. There's one particular individual in the children's ministry that week after week, month after month, year after year, 
This guy keeps coming back and serves every single Sunday. So I went to him recently and said, hey, would you mind if I interview you and put you on camera? Because you serve. You get this. You do this. You live this out every single week. And so he agreed. We made a video with him. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Bear Blakely. Check out this video. My name is Bear Blakely and I've been coming to Pinion Hills for about two years now. I grew up a Christian and in a Christian family. I did believe in God, but I kind of just, just lost, lost track of him, more or less. I've been in a pretty dark place since I was about 15 years old. Um, I was making a lot of bad decisions and um, just wasn't part of my son's life as much as I should have been. Switching jobs a lot and just, just was a mess. Jesus really rocked my world when some friends just just kept kept on me trying to get me to come to church and stuff and uh, something really just caught my heart and then I started digging into the Bible and it was just amazing from then I wanted to study the word I wanted to learn the word I wanted to keep going back to church and from there it made me want to serve the church also started coming to church and before I knew it I was in church twice a week and Bible studies every night and uh, just really changed my whole life around it. Uh, I got involved in the children's ministry here at church. My son went there and um, I really enjoyed being around the kids and stuff. So I went and sat in one week with him and um, actually helped out. My mom was helping in there. Working with the kids is real important to me. To instill Jesus Christ in their life at a young age, I feel is so important that to see the kids believe in God and like they remember their memory verses every week. A couple weeks back, some kids got baptized and just to see kids that I teach every week come to God and, and get baptized and stuff, it just really, it really brings a lot of joy to my heart and my life. I would say serving in the children's ministry brings me more joy than you could ever imagine. Just to see the kids in there every week, I've built a relationship with the kids and parents also, and just seeing them every week, Sometimes I'll see them at the grocery store and they come high-five me and it's just a really great experience just to be around the kids every week and see them learning about God and stuff. It's, it's really amazing. The mark of a fully devoted follower of Jesus is that they're willing to give their life away to other people. They're willing to serve. And Bear is just one one person out of hundreds that we could highlight that grasp that. But I also know that there's many people here this morning that you're on the fence following Jesus. You're hesitating for one reason or another. My challenge to you this morning is both feet jump in. Jump into the lake. Pursue after Jesus. And when he, when he has an encounter with you, when you have a conversation, when you have a relationship with him, He's likely going to ask you the same question. Do you love me? If so, are you serving other people? Are you loving other people? Are you, are you feeding my sheep? My challenge to you is to jump in and give it all you've got. And love God and love others. And perhaps you're new to this journey. If you have your cell phone, I would encourage you to pull it out. Because we want to be a group of people that help you walk in this journey with your relationship with Jesus. If you have never made the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you got hesitations, you got questions, send a message to 505-412-4880 with a message of one and we'll have a conversation with you. Perhaps you've already made that choice. You want to get baptized. You've never proclaimed your love for Jesus in a public setting before. You text the number two and we'll tell you about more baptisms that are coming up. Or maybe you want to get to know this church a little bit better. Text number three. Or you want to join a life group, a home life group, or a campus life group, or an interest life group and do life with other people. Text number four. We'll get you information about that. Or maybe you want to give 
generously and, and, and help other people hear the message of the good news of the gospel, and, and you want to give to make that a possibility, then text number five. Or perhaps you want to serve. And you could text number six, or when you're leaving here and you face the plaza in just a moment. There's three different tables that are set up out there. One says children's, one says students, and one says uh, it's like a catch-all where you can serve in all sorts of different ministries. Every single week, we have dozens of volunteers that come in and help lead our kids. It takes a village to raise a child. Train a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. We have many people who are training other people's kids every single week. We could use more people to help out in the children's ministry and serve. It's not about what we need. It's about what you get out of this. A fully devoted follower of Jesus is going to say, how can I serve? Where can I love people? How can I do that? The, the student ministry table that's out there. Just this last week, there was a, a big movie that came out. And a lot of the adults were like, well, we'll, we'll go and watch this movie with the students. But, but the youth pastor who was up here earlier, Vaughn is his name. Vaughn preached the gospel. He gave a Bible study devotion before they go and see a movie. And a lot of these adults that are volunteer, volunteering their time, they're like, well, if I can have a role in going to a movie because a kid, a student, a teenager will get to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I'm willing to go to a movie. And that movie didn't get out till one in the morning. And a lot of the volunteers in our student ministry went into that movie that got out at one in the morning. Perhaps you want to lead a Bible study. Perhaps you want to help students in another way. Perhaps you want to become a mentor. Perhaps you want to help, help with our young adults, or our men's ministry, or our women's ministry. I don't really care which ministry that you want to serve in. All I want to challenge you to do is jump in with both feet. Jump in with both feet and your life will be rocked. It will never be the same. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, you know that I love you. You know it. You know I love you, Lord. He says, then feed my sheep. And from that day forward, Peter never went back to the fishing industry. He went from town to town, village to village, telling other people, I'm, I'm all about the resurrected Christ. You too should follow Jesus. And to the day he died, to the day he died, he was preaching the gospel. He was serving people. He was loving people. He never went back to fishing for fish. He switched his whole life and was all about fishing for men from that day forward. There was no hesitation. He had jumped in both feet, ready to go and pursue Jesus and tell everybody about Jesus to the point that he died. In fact, when he was crucified, he was crucified on a cross just like Jesus, but he was like, I'm not worthy to die in the same way that Jesus died, so put me upside down. Crucify me upside down, but I'm willing to go to the grave. I'm willing to go to my death for preaching the gospel. Friends, I'm not just asking you to dip your toe in and start serving and, and check it out for a Sunday. I'm asking you to take a much bigger, a much grander challenge than that. I'm saying jump in with your life from now to the day you die. I don't care where you serve. I don't care how you serve. But the mark of a fully devoted follower of Jesus is somebody that says, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to follow Jesus anywhere. And while I go anywhere, I'm willing to serve people everywhere. This is not just a matter of we need you to serve in our children's or our student ministry. Yes, we have opportunities for you to serve. But I'm saying jump in with your whole life. Never turning back and saying, I'm willing to love God and love others with all of me. No hesitating. No excuses. I'm all in. I'm jumping in. Are you willing to jump in? Are you willing to serve other people, to love other people, to feed the sheep? Because Jesus, he said, this is what it's all about. Love God and love others. Will you do that? Will you take the challenge? Will you jump in with both feet? I hope and I pray that you do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each individual who is here this morning. They made the decision to get up and come to church, and I thank you for that devotion. I thank you for the dedication. I thank you for the fact that they showed up here this morning. But God, God I pray that if church is just a matter of checking off the box, I pray that people who are hesitating, for whatever reason, fully jumping in and following after you, that they would be willing to take the plunge. They'd be willing to dive in. They'd be willing to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. 
Use me, my, my passions, my talents, my abilities. I'm willing to follow after you anywhere. Therefore, I'm willing to love people and serve people everywhere. Lord, will you open our eyes, open our perspectives, open our minds to see the people around us whom we can love. May we be known. May we generate a reputation for how well we love other people within San Juan County. How well we love people in our careers. How well we love people in our family, in this congregation. God, give us people to love, and may we love them in a way that makes you proud. We thank you for your love. We thank you for sending your son on a cross for us. We thank you for the leadership that we gain from your holy word. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.